This is an ABC podcast. I was really open to just from now on, I'm just going to do what I feel like I want to do, what brings me joy, as cliche as it sounds, and you know, what makes me happy. Because up until then, I was a lot about doing the right thing, you know, so it was like going to university getting a a, a job as a pharmacist and then, you know, getting married. Like, all of these things that I kind of assumed were my roles. I think of most people in medicine, it's almost like a treadmill. So you start start at the start and you just go ever forwards towards some destination. And so anyone who steps off at any point is sort of looked at as like the black sheep. Coming out of high school and going straight into a commerce degree at Melbourne, uh, it was not really entirely my own decision. There's a lot of parental pressure um, that's applied. You know, there's other questions. It's not just the career, but possibly maybe they are in a great career, but they're in a toxic work relationship. So when my clients ask me questions about, you know, I'm not happy in the career, we just kind of nail it down. Like, is it really the industry and the career or is it because of the specific job or specific company you're working for? Finding your own voice and coming into your own in your 20s is a crucial part of your development. But what happens when the career you chose at 17 or 18 just isn't you anymore? Is it dangerous to make the leap into a new career or startup at this early stage? Leave aside what your parents think. What do employers make of this? And will it set you back? Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and on This Working Life, the pros and cons of career hopping in your 20s. So I'm Dr Thomas Kelly. I'm 29 years old. Tom, your career took a bit of a turn last year when you decided to resign from your full-time job as a hospital registrar and dive into a new tech startup. And in fact, you just launched. So congrats for that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, What's your one-liner in relation to your tech startup, by the way? Yeah, so we're Heidi Health. Our mission is to eliminate misdiagnosis and Heidi works with a GP's computer system to let patients do chat-based appointments, get all your documents back to an app on your phone uh, and also do other things like telehealth. And yeah, so if you're a busy person uh, and your GP has Heidi, you could just book a chat-based appointment with them and chat to them throughout the day. They'll send you some messages and in between whatever you're doing, you can still get your issue sorted and, you know, get your script or referral, whatever you need done. And for the for the GP, the reason that's beneficial is now I can have lots more patients running through my clinic. I have some that are taking my time and then others that I'm working through. That's where, why Heidi's like AI process is important. So we, we try to do sort of 80 to 90% of the work that the GP would do. So ask questions about history, try to understand before we offer you a chat-based appointment. It's it's a real productivity game, but also a great experience for patients. So how does that address misdiagnoses? Uh, the lingo is like clinical decision support. So on, on their side, they'll see uh, sort of a differential diagnosis, the features of the patient that match to different conditions. So the doctors can, um, yeah, sort of have a, a, a way to check through their thinking and make sure they're not missing anything. Now, I understand that you're on track to be a heart surgeon, which sounds like a big leap of faith into the unknown. Why? Yeah, so uh, it's a it's kind of a long story, I guess. So I was doing vascular surgery, so not quite heart, but all of the big blood vessels mm. near the heart. Um, and I think the change was mainly because I was finding – so I was – 
before training. So I was in the phase where you have to apply to get in onto the program. And I think uh, I was finding that like every year it was a moving target. The requirements were changing. You know, you'd spend, some of my friends would spend maybe $20,000 on a PhD and then the next year that wouldn't be on the application form anymore. Mm. Um, or, you know, you need a, a six references and one, one reference um, decides to give you a four out of five instead of a five out of five. So, that, so there was some, some aspect of it was the, I guess, the stress moving target, sort of the uncertainty about whether or not I would actually ever end up as a surgeon or would I just be sort of doing the grunt work for the hospital and maybe not ever actually getting to, to do the, complete my training. Uh, but the other aspect was just how exciting the opportunity was with Heidi Heidi and Oscar being the two products we've built at my startup. And also that I think for me, like what I'm really good at is making things and making technology and software that people love to use. And so at some, some point I just had to make it that difficult trade-off of do I keep going down this path or do I choose what like my heart is pushing me towards, what the things that I really love and probably what I'm best at. And I decided decided to do that. And Tom, did you cop any flack from people you respect, like your colleagues or family? Um, yeah, 100%. So uh, for family, yeah, definitely some funny looks. Um, and mm. I still still think it's probably an outstanding thing. Like, you know, if I if I succeed in a big way, then it's probably probably they'll see it as justified. But if but if I don't, then they'll probably always think that it was a silly silly move. For colleagues, yeah, it's interesting. Like I think of most people in medicine, it's almost like a treadmill. So you start you start at the start, and you just go ever forwards towards some destination. And so anyone who steps off at any point, this sort of looked at as like the black sheep, even though most doctors step out at some point. So most people will have a year off or end up burnt out or have something happen that that makes them and there's this yeah, there's this weird kind of social pressure where you feel like you have to conform to the norms of the group. But in reality, most of us as individuals will always have times where we need to take time off or go traveling or in my case, you know, go build a business. Um and that's a it, the con of medicine is that like pressured culture, but the pro is that you're always a doctor, you know, worst case scenario can always go back to training. So it's not like a, you know, a irreversible decision. Elaine Lucartis is a business and career coach who specialises in women of colour. When someone tells you that they're thinking about changing careers, Elaine, what's the first question that you ask them? Before I do the first question, I congratulate them. Because I know that idea of I want to change careers is frightening and I congratulate them to even have that level of self-awareness. Like congratulations for being so brave and aware of your thoughts and feelings, acknowledging that you're not happy right now. And it's just a challenge, especially for women of color, first-gen immigrants, where they're just like, hold on, I was taught and grown up for safety and security. I've invested my whole life in this for decades or years. And my first question is, what made you come into the realization of why you want to change or switch careers? There used to be a concept of doing time in your career uh, and that actually, you know, CVs looked bad when you chopped and changed. Do you think that that's changed? It has absolutely changed. 
I think what our baby boomer parents or the generation before us, they had things that were different, right? I could at least speak for here in America. There was pension. There was rewards for staying longer financially. We don't have that for millennials, for Gen Z. That has changed. Also, considering the pandemic in the past two years where we've been stuck on the same four walls and really thinking about do I really want to continue doing this nine to five job? Like we are more open to having these conversations because we're putting our happiness first. Is that what it's about? Do you think this factor of happiness? Yeah, I think it's happiness and fulfillment. You know, there's other questions. It's not just the career, but possibly maybe they are in a great career, but they're in a toxic work relationship. So when my clients ask me questions about you know, I'm not happy in the career, we just kind of nail it down. Like, is it really the industry and the career or is it because of the specific job or specific company you're working for? And so in a way, do you view early career differently? Is it more about learning about yourself rather or what is it about in those early days? In those early days, it comes from a place, yeah, you're learning about yourself you're coming from a place of curiosity, right? Testing and trying things. It's kind of like you're dating. So there's that. <laughs> um, and then as you get older, it's becoming more of an expert, right? Of what you want to do. Uh, and, and that's a really interesting point because I think um, traditionally when careers are linear, it's about getting narrower, narrower, deeper, deeper, and you become truly expert. Is that different from um, the mm -hmm. intention now? So maybe just a broadening of skills and accumulating diverse skill sets rather than this idea of deeper, deeper, narrower, narrower? Right? I, don't think it, I don't know if it's one or the other. I think it's a combination of the two, right? So in the beginning, in your 20s, you're just starting to, at least what I see with my clients, is testing things out. And yeah, I do believe it's important to get broader in terms of how you're getting that broader in terms of getting experience in your skill set. And at the same time, having that broader experience also helps with your specific niche or what you want to become better at. Like, for example, I know with Tiger Woods, you know, he's a golfer, one of the best in our lifetime. And something he got into was weightlifting, right? But weightlifting isn't golfing, but weightlifting also complements that. Right. So seeing what are complementary skills, experiences that ha can help us become better at what we do. And what do you think the dangers are of career switching? More so the dangers is, are you having the right support around you? Are you able to communicate? So, for example, if there's a, a switch that you want to do in your career, right? And you don't know how to share with your spouse or partner that you want to change it and you just do it. Well, that's dangerous, right? What's really important is how are you going to communicate to your spouse or partner that you want to do that change? So it's important to have the right language, whether that is talking to a coach about it or maybe talking to a friend like, hey, I'm thinking about talking to my partner about wanting to switch careers. How do I have that language? And the language I've shared with my clients is setting time aside. Can we talk on Wednesday after dinner, after the kids are asleep at eight? So it can't be doing something in passing, right? Where maybe 
your kids are still awake or you just have five minutes in, but making sure there's a lot of time and asking that question, hey, honey, like I'm thinking I'm really not happy in my job and I'm considering doing a switch. And also making sure when you're communicating is letting them know this is not something you're going to do quickly, but you're doing it intentionally. So I even remind my clients, it's okay to be looking and exploring for other jobs while you're at your current job. It's not like you are leaving right now. Hi, my name is Henry Nguyen. I'm 26. I studied a Bachelor of Commerce at Melbourne University straight out of high school and then uh, worked a few jobs relating to that for about two or three years afterwards. I've now decided to take on uh, Certificate 4 in Youth Work at Swinburne University. Uh, I've just had my first week and I am loving it. Coming out of high school uh, and going straight into a commerce degree at Melbourne, uh, it was not really entirely my own decision. There's a lot of parental pressure um, that's applied and not simply through the idea of that you have to pick something or you must pick something, but also around the idea of like, if you don't do this, there will be consequences long into your life. If you're unable to earn money, if you're unable to uh, get a secure job, then it's kind of this feeling that your life would be over then and there. I had initially gone into finance with kind of um, an idealized view that uh, if I'd studied this and got uh, good at it, I would be able to help people um, either through some kind of financial means or policy planning. But as I went on and on, it became more obvious that uh, the best way to help people might be to actually directly help people. And that's a passion I've always had. Even when I started working my first office job in sales, I was still working part-time as a piano teacher, working on the weekend. And working a six or six and a half day week may sound exhausting, but the ironic thing was that during those lessons, as you're doing something you're passionate about, that was actually the way I re-energized for the next week. (laughs) Um, And so when you have a sign like that, it's really hard to try and deny your passion and that there's some truth towards it. And that making this switch is, is, is just something that will happen at some point, but it's about myself being able to take that first step. That's, <laughs> and now that I've been able to make that, I'm really happy. I first pitched this idea uh, years ago, and it feels like each time that I pitch towards it, it gets a little bit closer. So the initial feedback from a few years was uh, it's really flat no um, and a talk. While with time, it becomes more apparent to the people around you that this really is there's no stopping you and um, I'm I'm really happy I've been able to make that switch uh, and find my own voice. And what advice do you give young people when what their parents have in mind for them career-wise might not sit well with them? Just reminding them that what their parents want for them came from a generation and lived experience that they've had. And even if they may not understand it, and I'm talking about their parents, that by you going after what they they want to do or passionate about in life could actually remind their parents why they did so much for them in the first place. For example, I'm a first-generation immigrant. Both my parents immigrated from the Philippines to the States, and they have always told me, like, go for like, you know, a wonderful nine to five job, pension, 
benefits, all of that. And I started my business and my, my parents were so nervous because of money. And then when I was in Philippines, my mom held my hand. We went there on vacation. They're like, thank you for going after your dreams because I always wanted to, but I didn't know how. And you're finishing it for me. Wow. And there's this quote, not from me. So I'm, I just want to mention that it's not my quote, but I'm going to reference an anonymous person. You know, our grandparents survived so our parents could provide and our parents provided so that we can thrive. Each generation has a new level of success that they're going after and that definition will always be different. And how did you feel in that moment holding your mom's hand and having that type of conversation? You know, obviously I cried and I just also understood the privilege I have. You know, the privilege of the resources to be in America and acknowledging that my mom couldn't have done it. Like, it's not her fault. She grew up in poverty in Philippines. So it was more of like a motivation of why not? Why not go after my dreams? I know that sounds so cliche, but why not? Because I have all of this that generations before me didn't have. And what would your advice be, Elaine, for those people whose parents may not have that same mindset like your mum? It's creating those boundaries for yourself from your parents, right? So you'll, you know you're never going to be able to change their decisions, and at least you're doing it for your own well-being and for yourself. My advice to him is just saying thank you. I know you care about me. Well, at the same time, I'm going to continue doing this career change because it's what makes me happy. And I want to say thank you for caring about me. My name is Zulfia Tufa. I'm 32 years old and we're at Noble Park Skate Park. So that's another thing I'm working on. The way I make money off Instagram and TikTok is through sponsored posts. So if a brand wants you to wear their clothes or they basically want you to create an ad for them, you, you get paid for that. And so the money that I get paid from doing that kind of work, especially for the time that I put into it, pays me a lot more than I was getting paid in my professional career. And so it makes me feel like I can never go back to doing something like that, especially because I didn't love it. Like if I loved it, yeah, it'd be fine, you know. I used to work at the pharmacy across the road there. And it's so ironic to me that I work in the skate park now. When I was posting online, the first people that reached out to me was, um, it was Pepsi. Pepsi randomly reached out to me and I thought, wow, like, where did they even see me, right? So they saw me on TikTok and then I kept posting and then again I had, um, it was after Nike reached out to me where I was like, okay, I think I need to find an agent now and actually do this so I can get some consistent income from it. Honestly, like, I'm very fearful of heights, which makes no sense because <laughs> being in a place like this, you know, you'd think that I wouldn't come, but it's just, just trying to conquer it slowly, slowly. And not focus too much on the ledge, like just putting my foot on and going. Because then it's over in like half a second. <laughs> I often call, you know, my 30, 30th year it was kind of a year where it was like it start, I started at zero for me. I felt like that was zero. I was really open to just 
from now on I'm just gonna do what I feel like I want to do what brings me joy as cliche as it sounds and you know what makes me happy because up until then I was a lot about doing the right thing you know so it was like going to university getting a, a, a job as a pharmacist and then you know getting married like all of these things that I kind of assumed were my roles and so it was really when all of that was was like shattered made me realize okay what do I want to do and it gave me the strength to um, start choosing things for myself so when I started skating I kind of there were things in my mind that you know I'm too old people might think I'm you know like what is she doing she's going through this crazy post-divorce time uh, but for me I just thought you know what I'm this I really enjoy it I'm gonna do it I always wanted to be physically active and this is a way I can do it and have fun for me, the way I see Korea is that now I see it as it's not the most important thing in my life. Before it was top two or three things, whereas now it's taken a backseat. Um, and the crazy thing is, I think it's because I don't tie it to my reputation anymore. I used to tie my career to my reputation and my identity and who I was. That's why it was so important for me. But now, like I used to be proud to tell people I was a pharmacist, you know what I mean? And like, so I work hard to do that and it's not an easy thing to, to get into. But it was something that I really wanted to do to please my dad. I think that's what it was to really like, he'd never made me do it, but just the fact that he suggested something and showed an interest. So I studied pharmacy for six years. Within the first year of working, I knew I didn't love this. I knew I didn't want it to be my career. But why did I continue? Because I put six years into it. Not only that, but I did year 12 twice, right? So there's all this investment I've put into it. I can't let go of this because it's a waste, quote unquote, of my six years or eight years or whatever it was. Like I said, I always felt like I was more of an artist type. I was not into the sciences. Then I would have wasted, you know, like even more time. So it's about just cutting your losses. It's okay. What you did is not a loss. It was meant to be. And somehow it, it also like, it's created you to be who you are today. So like the qualities and the skills that I learned in my past as a pharmacist, I learned from them. Elaine, can I look now at entrepreneurs? So you do a lot of work with entrepreneurs. I'm fascinated with what age do you think is good for going out on your own or becoming an entrepreneur and when is too early? I, don't, I wouldn't say it would be an age as opposed to experience, like getting that experience, working at a company, working with a team, doing conflict resolution mm. and communications. Why? Relationship building, it's so important because what happened in 2020, right? A lot of people lost jobs when, when COVID just happened. And what was fascinating is I got a lot of young early 20-year-olds and they thought building a business was trying to get 10,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> like, what is the service or product that you are creating? Who's your ideal client? How you're promoting it? I'm like, so there's this unfortunately deception of how to start business and social media as opposed to people who are older that have had real work life experience in groups and companies where they understand about the relationship building and communicating with other folks. So, Elaine, if people aren't feeling fulfilled or energised in their current jobs, what small changes can they make if they don't want to make a giant leap to switch careers? Yeah, so asking yourself questions of, like, why are they not happy? So, for example, is it the relationship with their boss? 
Is it the pay? Is it the environment? What is it? And then this is the hard part. Are you willing to have that conscious conversation with your supervisor about it? Right? If you're realizing it's just the pay, then are you going to have that conversation with your boss? Right. So often when we think I hate my job, you have to switch and end it. Like I hate dating this person. Let me just break up with this person. But usually it's just a conscious conversation with someone about it or even saying, Hey, I just realize that it's such a, that a lot of people like gossiping here. Then it's also learning how can you start creating boundaries? So identifying what is one problem that you have, you can have ownership to fix and change. Career coach, Elaine Lucatis. And next time, we delve into the complex world of feedback. It's not just about how we give it, but how we receive it. This Working Life is produced by Rachel Bongiorno, who's strapping on her skates and skating out of here for a little while. We do want to say thank you for producing, Rachel. I'm Lisa Leong, and until then, love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.